Chapter Eleven of In a North Country Village by M. E. Francis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Our Joe. As old Harry Lupton wended his way homewards on Christmas Eve, he began to think seriously of writing to his son in America and desiring him to come back to England forthwith. Every house in the village was astir with preparations for family gatherings. Here and there, indeed, were travellers already arriving sons and daughters home from service or snatching a holiday from business in the neighbouring market town some and these were not the least welcome brought only little bundles in their hands but others carried hampers filled with good things at sight of which there was a fine outcry among the small fry in the household and others again dragged little tired children slowly along or bore them in their arms then when the door was opened and grandma's cheery wrinkled face peered out into the night what jubilee there was how billy was promised a treacle butty immediately if he would give over his fretful wail how much nelly bless her heart was declared to have come on and what a marvellous likeness was discovered between the new baby and its father harry lupton picking his way over the cobblestones slowly enough for his lumbagi catched him awful and his legs was none so strong as they were noted all this bustle and there came a mist before his eyes other than that of the gathering dusk and a chill about his heart which was not caused by the fast-falling flakes of snow or the cutting evening wind when he turned up the little dark lane which led to his cottage the last in the village and a couple of hundred yards away from any of the neighbouring homesteads he was obliged to stand still for a moment and cough there was such a disagreeable sensation in his throat and pass his hand across his eyes it's getting time for our joe to be thinking o' coming home our alice must write and tell him her and me's getting on we might be in wi graves next christmas and then there'd be no use in him coming at all i'll bid her right i will he nodded confidentially to the hedges and toddled on again his tall bent figure and feeble gait pathetically endorsing his words in a few minutes he had reached his abode a queer little two-storied cottage built of yellowish stone light shone through the small paned windows and a cheerful glow irradiated the figure of the old woman who stood on the threshold eh hey, you're awful late harry i couldn't think whatever had come to ye your back that bad and all come in missus come in and shut yon door there's wind enough to blow the teeth out o your head if ye had any that's to say come that's better coffee smells first rate off with the clogs help us into the cheer missus eeeh it do come same as a knife in a body's back that plaguey sciatic when one goes for to sit down there all's well as ends well now the bacon and the toast there i'm feeling a bit better now he drew his elbow chair nearer to the fire and fell to at his supper a brighter expression coming over his face and his melancholy thoughts banished for the time indeed it would have been hard to feel melancholy in that cosy little kitchen while the firelight danced so cheerily over the creamy walls and well-rubbed furniture and brought to view such a wealth of brilliantly coloured crockery and so many glittering pots and pans mrs alice lupton had nothing to do but keep the place clean and was scrubbing and rubbing and polishing from morning till night her own figure was very pleasant to look at in its tidy north-country dress she was a pretty old woman good-tempered and thrifty 
and any one seeing her as she sat smiling at a good man from the opposite side of the fireplace would have felt that he was rather to be envied than pitied after a few minutes however he heaved a deep sigh and laid down his knife what's to do wi ye asked alice anxiously i've been thinking a dale of our joe to eat missus and i was saying to myself as it were getting time for him to be coming home you might write him a line and tell him as his father said so well master returned mrs lupton rubbing her nose reflectively i don't altogether know if we didn't ought to let the lad bide till he comes of hisself you see every letter tells us as he's doing pretty fair and that and happen it'd be a pity to take him off's work just because we want to look at him let's see he's been a matter of sixteen year out yonder hadn't he he's a man now ay going on thirty-four he is and ought to a laid by summat a steady hard-working lad same as he's been he ought to a saved a tidy bit enough to keep's feyther and mother in their owd age we're getting on missus ye that hearty still ye make no count at time but i'm getting past work and i say it's time our joe come and work for us there he hammered on the table with his fist and nodded at his wife in a way which betokened that he had said the last word on the subject she was pondering a little anxiously as to the advisability of carrying out his wish when there came a knock a rather a series of knocks at the door whoever can it be at this time at neat growled harry go and see missus i'm too crippled to stir mrs lupton left the kitchen and opened the house door starting a little at the sight of the man's figure which confronted her can i will you kindly let me come in and warm myself for a few minutes i'm drenched through and so cold and numb it's a tramping chap i doubt said alice in a whisper as she returned to her husband but it'd be a charity to let him come in for a bit he looks for all the world like a ghost let him in then though i'm none so fond o tramps but christmas eve a body mustn't be too hard come in mister and sit ye down it's an awful neat the stranger entered a tall man who might have been good-looking but for the unhealthy pallor of his face the sharpened outlines of his features the stoop in his broad shoulders and the stubbly beard on his chin his clothes besides being ragged were soaked with melted snow and smeared with mud harry glanced at him with much disfavour and edged away his chair a little but alice fetched him a plate and presently desired him to comfort his inner man with bacon and buttered toast while she warmed up a cup of coffee ye'll a come a long way i reckon observed harry after a pause ay i've walked from liverpool and afore that i sailed from new york new york eh dear that's where our joe lives cried alice eagerly i do wonder if ye ever come across our joe our son that is as has been there these sixteen years joe lupton from thornley did ye know him the stranger was silent for a moment stirring vigorously at his coffee and seeming to reflect joe lupton he said slowly at last new york such a big place i know a lot of english fellows let's see what was he like eh a tall slip of a lad wi rosy cheeks same as two ripe apples and hair that curly do you mind master how to twine round the comb of a saturday when our joe was a little un and i'd washed him in the dolly tub eh dear art he was a bonny child why missus a tall lad wi rosy cheeks 
what sort of a description's that chuckled harry they women they always thinks as time stands still our joe be a man now wi a fine pair of shoulders i reckon and a gradely beard to his face but i'll tell ye mister he had a pair of blue eyes bright and clear as could look a man straight in face he had and an honest kind of a way with him as made ye feel he was a lad ye could trust did ye know any one o that mate yonder o the name o joe from thornley there was a silence for a little time again and then the man shook his head no he said i don't know anybody o the kind but you see he might be there and yet i mightn't come across him ah sighed alice deeply disappointed new york's a big place as ye say is to place d'ye think we are folks gets on ay that's it put in harry is it a place where folks makes much money the stranger broke into a short laugh oh ay money enough he said and buried his face in his cup didn't i tell ee cried old lupton nodding triumphantly at alice our joe will have saved a tidy bit Eh, hey, happen ye'll be riding to church in your own trap afore ye dee owd wench there was a sound as of a sudden explosion in the stranger's coffee-cup at which lack of politeness his host was mightily indignant it's very fine for ye to laugh he remarked and yet there's naught to laugh at as i can see our joe's been working hard for sixteen year and i dare say he ought to have saved enough to keep as he comfort his mother and me he should come back he should missus you mun write and tell him that to-morrow ah sighed the traveller i'm longing sorely to see my old father and mother i'm homesick and yet i durstn't go home why cried alice in surprise while harry paused pipe in hand to look up inquiringly you see i-i've been in a bit of a mess answered the man hesitatingly in fact i've seen a sight of trouble since i first went out yonder as a young chap i got into bad ways and fell in with a bad lot and the long and the short of it is i've just put in five years for burglary eh hey, dear heart ejaculated alice much startled harry half rose from his chair and stretched out his hand towards his big stick nay missus don't be frightened of me cried the stranger eagerly i swear i'd rather die than touch a hair on your head you've no need to reach for your stick sir he added turning to his host is it likely i'd tell you my misfortunes if i wanted to harm you i'm thinking of my own parents this blessed night and wondering if i'll ever have the courage to own what i've done and to ax their forgiveness his voice shook and he shaded his eyes with his hand eh dear heart said mrs lupton again don't they know then poor souls it'll go hard wi em i doubt it will said the man with something like a sob no they know nothing i kept it from them for i knew it to go nigh to kill them you see they come of honest stock and have always held up their heads pretty high all the neighbours think well of em and respect em so i've always wrote as i was doing well and the chaplain yonder was very good to me and used to post me letters and bring me the replies they're but simple folk and never guessed as there were anything wrong god knows i'm loath to be the means of bringing shame to them now and yet i'm the only son they have alice clapped her hands together and rocked herself to and fro in her chair god preserve us what trouble some folks has eh what awful trouble i doubt they'll break their hearts when they come to here 
the stranger held his peace for a moment old harry removed his pipe and stared at him with increasing dislike and disapproval i'm loath to bring shame to em repeated the man at last from behind his sheltering hand maybe after all it'd be best for me not to go near em maybe i'd better go back where i came from and tell em nothing ye're eat there said harry sternly to my thinking ye'd best go away and keep away lad what for should ye go home to disgrace your feyther and mother in their old age them as is decent folks ye say to have the neighbours castin up at em as their son was a thief and was in jail five year why twould kill em straight off i shouldn't wonder nay nay go back where ye've come from and try to lead an honest life that's my advice ay returned the other almost in a whisper i'll go back and try to lead an honest life ah but i reckon your mother would like to see ye cried alice i reckon she would if it was ever so but men folks is different they're a deal harder and yet they can't bear trouble same as us twould go nigh to kill your feyther the shame and sorrow would happen ye'd best do as my master advises arter all the man's other hand went up to his face now and his voice sounded husky and unsteady as he said thank ye i will i'll go then dropping his hands he rose alice's eyes filled with tears nay but there's no such hurry she said and the neat's bad for travelling ye'd best stop here and go on in the morning ah there's the shippen added her husband rather unwilling and a good bit of straw ye might make shift on't for bed it's better nor the snow anyways thank ye kindly said the stranger it is so i'm pleased to have the chance his eyes which had hitherto shifted uneasily from one object to another while they were not bent on the ground now swept round the room with a long steady glance resting for a moment or two on the stooping figure of the old man in the corner he made a step towards him with hand half extended but meeting harry's severe gaze drew back and nodded instead alice lit a candle and preceded him out of the room carefully closing the door after her hark she whispered when they stood without ye needn't sleep with the shippen when all's said and done there's a bit of room here near the stairs where our joe used to sleep i've allus kept it tidy and bed ready aired it seems to comfort me you know and i think to myself sometimes happen he'll come and surprise us some day and he must find all ready ye can sleep there the master needn't know it was a queer little cupboard of a room into which mrs lupton ushered him containing just a truckle bed a chair beside it and a chest of drawers with a jug and basin on the top the man sat down on the chair as though seized with sudden faintness but his hostess was too busy with her preparations for his comfort to notice him little did i think as i'd ever let a tramping chap same as you sleep in our joe's bed but i'm sorry for ye and that's the truth i doubt ye took it hard o my master to speak like he did but there men's ways are hard and my master is always so set on honesty she had put on sheets and blankets smoothed and patted them and was now shaking a pillow into its coarse clean cover when she had finished and laid it in its place she suddenly stooped and kissed it turning and catching her guest's eyes and observing the strange expression of his face she blushed to her very cap borders i doubt ye'll think me a queer sort of body she said 
but it's a way i've got whenever i come next the nigh this bed i allus think of our joe's bonny face as i used to see it morning and evening layin on this ere pillow and as i can't kiss that i kiss the pillow instead the man uttered a sort of groan and flung himself forward on the bed clutching the pillow with both hands and burying his face in it poor fellow murmured alice you're thinking of your own mother i reckon at this juncture harry's voice was heard angrily calling and the tap of his stick came across the floor of the adjoining room alice hastily extinguished the candle and crept into the passage artfully banging the house door as though she had just come in whatever have you been doing out of the cold so long cried her lord emerging from the kitchen in much displeasure i were but making yon poor chap a bit comfortable returned alice i'm none too sure as ye did reet to let him bide here at all said harry i don't so much care for folks o that mack about the place wish seems as if i could smell the prison off him slowly the heavy feet and the tapping stick passed the stranger's door he had heard every word the old man said and now burrowed his head yet more deeply into the pillow and groaned afresh mrs lupton excited and compassionate lay awake long after her master's snores made the very rafters ring and at last dropping to sleep towards morning was troubled by a strange and painful dream she thought she saw there joe a child again with rosy face and curly head and he stood without in the snow and wept and his father drove him from the door the vision was so vivid she saw the little lad so plainly with the tears on his chubby cheeks and his mouth drawn downwards in the pitiful droop against which so few mothers can steel their hearts that when she woke she could hardly believe it was not real twas we're moidering about yon poor fellow i doubt she said to herself and lay still the memory of her dream mingling with the thought of the tramp until she fell into a sort of waking nightmare in which it seemed to her that her son and the tramp were one presently she started up fully conscious and struck with a sudden fear a fear more terrible than that evoked by any nightmare which made her heart stand still and her hands turn cold what if they were one what if this tramping chap this jailbird were really their joe with awful clearness the stranger's story returned to her mind she went over it phrase by phrase word by word there was nothing nothing in his history which might not admitting the fact that it were possible for joe to have gone astray have also befallen him she remembered the tremulous speech the downcast looks the emotion of their visitor and the fear grew upon her and shook her very soul she sprang out of bed while harry snored on peacefully the dawn showed grey through the uncurtained windows and the wind whistled without she flung a shawl over her shoulders and pattered downstairs the boards icy cold to her bare feet the chill air that circled through the house seeming to penetrate even to her bones the door was ajar and through it was to be seen a vision of a desolate white world with never a living creature stirring only a long irregular line of hedge and trees standing out gaunt and black against a lowering sky alice caught her breath and leaned against the doorpost for a moment then supporting herself against the wall and breaking into a stifled piteous whimpering she crept into joe's little room lo 
it was empty the bed had not been slept in but the pillow was crushed and soiled and there in the middle where the mother's lips had touched it it was wet as though with tears End of chapter 11